Guys, it gets really hot in here. Good afternoon, Internet. This is Hey Retriever Podcast, and this is uh, John Michael Ryan. And and this is Matt Richmond. Matt, you're fresh back from Brazil. I did. did just got off the plane uh, like an hour ago. More or and, less. And uh, rushed over here, put on the headphones, uh, because I'm so excited for our episode. I love this enthusiasm. It's very unprecedented. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I've heard about Victor since almost since I've known you, and I've never met him. Uh, and I want to hear all about him. And, you know, Brazil's a long ways away, and, and I missed you, John. Oh, thank you, Matt. Uh, Victor, uh, my friend, my colleague, uh, I have the ex- expressed privilege of in- inviting you to the Hey Retriever podcast. So we're going to jump right in. How, how are you? How have you been? You're doing great and really happy to, you know, join the whole crew. Uh, it's been an incredible uh, few years, and it's just an exciting time to be alive and to connect with you, you know, in this medium. So thank you so much for the invite and look forward to the next uh, few minutes. You know, I, right there, that is such an awesome way to start. And like, I, the last time I heard somebody say that this is an exciting time to be alive, I, I think I was like 12. So that that tells me <laughs> what kind of guy you are already, Victor. No, life is uh, is very short. You know, we've seen that. We, we've lost so many people along the way. So anytime, you know, we can get up and engage with friends, with creators, content creators, with visionaries, with those who are aspiring uh, to attain great things uh, in this in this world of technology, uh, it, it's every reason to to get up and smile and, and be happy to be alive. So it's just the synergy that I feel anytime I deal with you know the whole Hey Retriever team. Uh, from the support, like a few minutes ago, to on set, you know, with our last uh, production down in the Virgin Islands. So, yeah, that that's it, Matt. You that's know, awesome. onward. <laughs> the, the the future is bright for sure. That's a great segue into uh, Victor's title because you may think he is a therapist, a thinker, a philosopher. He's all these things. But Vic, what would you call yourself? How would you title yourself for those who are listening for the first time? Yeah, for the first time, uh, I think the simple title uh, that may need some explanation is an aviation integrator. Uh, really encompasses quite a bit of what I do for full-size aircraft as well as for the production industry uh, and even for unmanned systems, drones, uh, as we used in times past. And integrating what exactly? Any technology or strictly film? Yeah, so that that's the great question. Uh, in my life, I've discovered that there's a requirement. There's really no standard uh, in many of the areas and, and equipment that we use. So I've discovered that integration is a key component to success. So, you know, a lot of the integration is kind of the man and machine, you know, integration. Uh, Other integration is simple within 
you know, aviation or communication such as downlink, you know, whether for a man or an unmanned system. And it's making sure that not just the technical specifications are compatible, but people are compatible. So when I say an aviation systems integrator, uh, I'm encompassing the human resource element uh, as well as the mechanical and like electronic software and hardware. There's so much depth to what you just described, and and Matt speaking is is somebody who has sat in the in the operator's chair. Uh, I will say that Victor is 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 not. Uh, flying about how important it is to connect that human element to the technical as well. There's so many points of of connectivity and and uh, failure that without someone who has a mind on it, I, I, I would have I would have felt incredibly stupid at all times. So I've I've never shot from a helicopter. I do, I don't know what it entails. Can can you give me a typical scenario? Or John, can you describe what it's like to? Do this firsthand. I mean, I as an operator, it's 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 absolutely amazing. You're 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 working your skill sets and you're you're experiencing different kinds of movements. You're thinking you're thinking about your camera moves in a large large distance. You're thinking about gigantic crane moves and gigantic dolly moves. And then if you're on the drone, it's the same platform. You just you know you're you're limited more by duration and some of those elements and, and weight capacity. But Victor, y- you are my expert. You are my my resource for all things. Um, so I guess to to math question, uh, what what do you think uh, when you're when you're thinking about whether it's UAV or it's it's uh, you know helicopter, airplane, phenom, whatever? Um, what is that human component that you most deal with? Yeah, anytime you deal with the systems that we're talking about, full scale aircraft, or even in the realms of the heavy lift, you know, drone component, uh, there's a safety requirement. And the old uh, adage that time is money. So whether you're managing, you know, production time, you're managing fuel, uh, you're managing production costs, uh, aircraft costs. There's a balance and uh, a, a list of factors that have to be con- considered to achieve your ultimate objective. And that's really quality, right? Quality uh, takes, uh, as well as maintaining the safety of the operation for the crew and cast. So there's really no silver bullet or one way of doing things. It's, it's literally a case-by-case you know, situation. And I think that's the most important thing. And the reason why I really enjoy working with the Hay Retriever team is the appreciation uh, and respect for safety. So when you're operating from a helicopter, uh, I'll just throw out some numbers for the audience who's trying to get their head around it. Uh, typically for a full-size camera system, uh, a five or a six-axis system, uh, running that helicopter uh, with the camera, excluding crew, is about $2,000 an hour. It, it could fluctuate depending on what country and uh, availability of aircraft. So there's quite a bit of pre-planning that takes place uh, on the ground, a rehearsal. Typically, there's an aerial coordinator you know, working multiple radios for jets, for helicopters, fixed wing, uh, and ground crew. And 
as John Michael Ryan, you know, in your helicopter shoots that you've performed, uh, you have a creative mind, but doing the preparation in advance really uh, maximizes the resources, you know, that have been allocated to aerials. And just to qualify for a second, you know, I, I've worked on library shoots and some online pieces, but, but Victor, describe for us the kind of pieces you've worked on because they're pretty amazing. Yeah, so I've really uh, been involved in very difficult uh, projects. We have an incredible talent pool uh, globally of very good operators, very good pilots. But typically, I get involved or, or pulled in when things get very complex. Uh, and this is from uh, most of the major uh, studios, Hollywood, kind of the cinema level studios, as well as camera manufacturers. So uh, if there's a problem uh, that seems just unattainable uh, or the hurdles uh, or the, the shot request is just impossible, typically that's when I get the phone call and say, hey, Victor, you know, based on your experience, can we do it yes or no? Uh, and so having a resource of engineers as well as camera stabilization specialists, I could pretty much give an answer of yes, it's possible or no, it's not. I mean, I've had requests from putting uh, three axis camera systems on weather balloons uh, all the way to like deep, deep, deep ocean camera stabilization requests. So it's phenomenal. It's very exciting. Because the people who reach out to me are aspiring to do something that's never been done before. So what I call the vanilla stuff for, you know, Disney, Marvel, you know, Red Studios, uh, as they say in certain parts of the world, that's kind of easy peasy. Uh, and that's great. Uh, it, it's good, you know, to, to work with high quality people. But what really gets me up every morning is working on the very, very difficult stuff. Things that people say is impossible. Yeah, there's just no way you're going to do it. And that's the trigger to say, let's figure it out. It's going to cost. You know, there's always a financial component, but we can do it. That's kind of my mindset. So really kind of space is the next thing. <laughs> wow. So it, we should probably step back for just a second because uh, I don't know if we got the name of your company and sort of the like parameters of what we're talking about. You've mentioned we a couple times, you have a team. Um, but what, you know, what, what are some of the basics there, Victor? I'm, I'm sorry. Sure. No problem. And this has really been an evolution uh, of business uh, in life. So I run a company called Victor and Lean Associates, and that pretty much is where all the FAA and regulatory approvals uh, are run through, uh, not just here in the United States, but the United Kingdom, Transport Canada, Australia. We can go on and on, and uh, we could spend a whole hour just on the regulatory side uh, that Victor and Lean and Associates deals with. Uh, but what has transpired, what started off as a publishing uh, sales machine has really evolved into a multimedia solution-oriented company. And along the way, I have met incredible uh, engineers uh, as well as 
you know, whether mechanical, electrical, uh, extremely talented directors uh, and passionate uh, DPs and, and really, you know, everything above and below the line. So that kind of gives you uh, the scope of it's not, it's not just one pie, even a sliver of a pie, but it's multidimensional uh, in terms of relationships and, and talent and resources that are available. And I think that's really the hard thing is preserving time. Uh, with one phone call, one text message, one WhatsApp, I could probably get to the right person. And if they're not the right person, I could find the right person within, within two points of contact. So that's kind of what has been built. Uh, and John Michael Ryan has been part uh, of this journey. Uh, so it's really fun. It's really fun uh, to have this network of people that aren't necessarily based on compensation, but on friendship and a sharing of technology. Because a lot of what we're, we're doing, there is no operator's manual. You know, there is no forum because it's so bespoke and so unique that it's all about relationships and getting the straight answer if it's doable or not. So I, I'm trying to paint the, the broadest picture for you, Matt, that it encompasses more than me. Literally, uh, it's a team. Uh, I have ACs uh, that are just there forever. I mean, they, I have IT people. They will do whatever it takes. I mean, I'll just tell you one story. We were shooting in New York and uh, we were shooting right off the Brooklyn Bridge. And this is very early on, at least 10 years ago with an unmanned system. And I said, okay, what's the camera in, in lens package? They gave it to me. It was like 11 o'clock at night. Uh, the director, the uh, coordinator, the AD, said, well, we'll stay with you uh, in this huge boardroom. And I said, no, you guys go to sleep. You know, I'll sort it out. You know, it'll be about two, three hours to make the adjustments and swap out the isolators so we could get good, clean footage uh, at the first light. And they said, no, we're going to stay here with you. And I said, what do you mean? They said, whatever you need, we're going to just stay here in the boardroom. And I was like, wow. So... Obviously, they helped. I mean, we were in the middle of the night, you know, one, two o'clock in the morning, uh, right there in Columbia Heights. You know, it was, uh, I believe it was a hexacopter at the time, you know, doing our test flights, you know, checking the image. So uh, I, I say that, Matt, to, to kind of try to convey to you the unique uh, friendships as well as the dedicated talent uh, that I've been uh, exposed to and it, it truly is uh, a special thing to kind of be a part of this industry with high quality people that are in it, not just for the money, but because they love it. And it's all about people. That's really cool. I, I think it would help me. I'm sorry, John, to keep going like this, but I, what's, a, what's an example of one of the impossible requests that, that you've pulled off? Or, you, you know, like, like to really picture what this means. Um, can you tell a story about something that nobody else could have done? Oh, man, there's a lot of things that are uh, going on right now, which, uh, you know, we could talk about, um, you know, a little later as, as broad and as uh, compliant to the NDAs, you know, I can I can speak about. But 
I'd say just one thing uh, uh, individually, you know, when I think of the very, very early days, um, I, I was just thinking about this about three days ago when DJI came out with their little micro drone. And here we are in 2022. Uh, I built a micro drone uh, that could mount uh, it was top mounted with a GoPro. Man, we must have been going back to the Hero 2 uh, or the Hero 3. And we're monetizing that system where I'd say it, at the end of probably four years, it, it grossed over $100,000 in revenue by developing a micro system uh, for a, a high-end real estate uh, firm in the tri-state area in New York. So that's just one very, very small sample of just systems integration and development of technology and having the engineers support you. Uh, and that's just at a very, very micro level. Uh, but you know, now you have this billion-dollar company that can produce these things that it's just you know, plug and play. So yeah. anyway, that's just a really, really small sample uh, of what what's been done, yeah. Matt, I can I can speak to so when when I first met Victor, uh, it was through Team Five uh, and, and Kimberly uh, Springstead was still coordinating. Yes, and I had reached out to Team Five because I used them for my shot over rentals and training when we were doing all the aerial projects uh, and te- in Chicago. Team Five is Team Five is a, is a an aerial production company. Okay, um, you know they they God uh, is it Dylan is there right? Correct. Yeah. So it, it's it's a group. It was a collective of, of five individuals, and uh, quite a bit of their work uh, is on your your A list, you know, title. So they ran the Phenom Jet with two camera systems for Top Gun. Uh, pretty much most of the Christopher uh, or Michael Bay movies, you know, will use you know Team Five, and they're just a really good example of a dedicated group. A small knit group of aerial uh, camera operators uh, that operate globally. You know, they've pretty much done all the Transformers and all the Fast and Furious, and yeah, top, top, top in America, but really probably top in the world. Yeah, very focused on safety, very focused on process. So it was a good fit for us. And when I when I came to them with Foil, Foil was a unique project because. In our mind, we're thinking we needed to be in an airship to to do these shots, but the altitude would be so low and these moves would be so dynamic that it felt too risky to to put a helicopter into action. So I asked Kimberly, hey, who do you know in the drone world who you would trust basically running an entire operation that's all risk? So an entire operation of aerials that's just above water at low altitude. And without pause, she's like, you got to talk to Victor Lee. And so Victor and I started a conversation that took almost two years from our initial conversations to the actual production dates because of delays with prototypes and all of these different variables. Um, but what was unique was, you know, I wanted the same visuals in Ariel that I was going to have in our boat to boat. And what's more than that, I wanted to make sure that because of our limited shooting schedule, we could go from aerial operations to marine operations to car-to-car operations to handheld. 
So the shoot itself had a whole lot of parameters that needed to be accomplished effectively in a two and a half day shooting scale. And that's that's what Victor does. That you call Victor to think through solutions. Um, and, and Victor, we we man, we we thought through, we talked through movements, we talked through all kinds of variables. And it really boils down to contingencies. You're planning for contingencies. And it was uh, Victor and Cornelius, one of his very good assistants and friends and a fantastic drone operator, uh, we set out on an adventure. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and those are uh, really, really me- memorable times. You know, for me, I call them moments uh, because they will be filed indelibly, you know, in my mind and heart. Uh, you know, those experiences. Um, and, and Matt, to, to your question, while we're thinking progressively on, you know, unmanned drone systems, uh, there was one particular shoot uh, that involved, it was for uh, the Avengers, yeah, Infinity Wars. And they, they had a particular shoot uh, down a gorge. It was about a, a thousand foot gorge. Uh, it was in one of the, you know, final scenes and production got shut down. So they did a whole, you know, LIDAR scan for pre-visuals and production was told, uh, you can't get these shots because it's just impossible. So, you know, they called me, we did a scout and it was extremely high risk to uh, John Michael Ryan's point because it was all over water. Uh, There weren't you know, too many landing zones. The takeoff zone was about an eight foot by eight foot platform, wooden platform with four and a half a foot railing. So everyone was told, yeah, it can't be done. Extremely high risk, no insurance. We're going to have water safety. It's just kind of impossible. So prior to them scrapping it, uh, after we did this, the scout, we did a risk assessment. We said, okay, if insurance or uh, production is willing to accept that in the event of a failure or an emergency incident, we're going to have to set these things down. We're going to attempt to set these things down on a boulder, uh, but worst case, we're going to have to put it in the river. And they accepted it, so we're like, okay. So we have we have to hike down, uh, you know, several hundred. I, I believe it was 900 steps. We we had to hike down. Uh, there's no facilities down there. We have water safety. So there's a crew of over 20 of us down there. You know, we're carrying these drone batteries down, generators, and very, very little, you know, wiggle room. But some of the shots require the drone to hover uh, less than a foot off the rushing water. And to and to, to complicate things, uh, there was no GPS coverage, so there's no automation. This is all free flight, uh, and to get the plate shots that were required, uh, it's literally hovering within you know inches of the rushing water and holding you know that position. Uh, to to make the long story short, the weather did not cooperate, so. We originally had two full days to shoot. We got rained out the first, and then it was all rain for the entire morning. And we're all huddled under two tents. Everyone's getting very, very nervous. We have over a dozen shots uh, to, to 
get off the shot list before the sun goes down and we have to take all this gear up. So it's around, you know, noon and I'm like, man, I got to go to the bathroom. I said, this is rough. I said, hey, I'm not going to go to this porta potty. It was a makeshift porta potty on the other side of the fence around with the tent. And I'm like, okay, I'm just a little nervous here. I'm going to hike all the way back up. And it's about a 30-minute hike. So I'm huffing and puffing. I, I told uh, Andrew, uh, the, the drone tech, I said, if they call for me, I, I looked at the weather app. It was still just raining. I said, if they call for me, hit me on the comms, and I'll get down you know, as soon as possible. So anyway, as soon as I got up, uh, in the stall, they said, where's the drone pilot? I said, oh my goodness. <laughs> so I said, prep the aircraft. I'm going to be, I'll run down in 10 minutes. They said, we have a window of time. Uh, can you get down here? I said, oh, great. So I run down, you know, the 900 or so flights, you know, of stairs. And for the next four hours, for every hour, our drone was up for 40 minutes and we got every single shot they wanted uh, in a three and a half hour period. So I, I know, Matt, that's a long story, but literally if I was to go through every single adventure and every reason why someone called or has engaged to either build or operate or execute, I mean, we would literally be here for yeah. a long time. And I no, know we don't have that. That's a great <laughs> so, story. It's worth noting, Matt, what, what these, the kind of shots and the kind of things that you work on, Victor, these, these aren't necessarily just, hey, I need an establishing plate shot of this building. Yeah, it happens. But the kinds of, of shots that these directors and cinematographers are pushing for are they want the quality of the platform that they're shooting on for the whole film. They want movement. They want complexity. They want to tell a story visually that is high risk. And high risk yeah. on a cinema scale and a high-end commercial scale means high dollar. And yeah. the challenge is when you're, when you're flying a $100,000 lens on a $150,000 camera body on a quarter-million-dollar gimbal on a half-million-dollar aerial platform, it starts to stack up. And, and the, you know, the mindset goes to, well, I have an Inspire 2. I can just put it up, right? Well, that's completely different. That's a, that's a, a device. I, I turn to Victor when I want to make sure that I trust the, the person on the controller or on the other end is, is the person I want to trust knowing the value and the risk associated with the shot isn't going to affect him, isn't going to, isn't going to, be, isn't going to outweigh the performance, um, if that makes any sense. I feel like... Yeah, I, I mean, you're talking about sort of nerves, right? And, and being able to, having been there in bigger spots uh, so that any given spot isn't necessarily going to shake him. Is that, is that yeah. fair? Yeah, notice Victor wasn't worried about the shots. It was the 900 stairs to get back down. That was yeah. the only thought. <laughs> Just got to get down these stairs. The shots will be easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and to be... To be realistic, Matt, just to kind of give you uh, a, a better picture, uh, when John Michael Ryan and I, we were working on uh, the flights over water, uh, that that really didn't rattle me at all. Be because, and let me say that, because out of all the takeoff and landings, I always hit my my takeoff and landing zone or an emergency landing zone. 
And when you fly over volcanoes and lava lakes and there's no, you can take off, but you can't land. It all has to be hand caught, you know, 40 pounds. Uh, and you're flying in the Pemberton ice fields uh, up in Canada with 40, 50 mile per hour winds. But the director, you know, wants to shoot because that's the story he's telling. And uh, I complied with Transport Canada's requirements, you know, with icing. And, you know, when you start dealing with these extreme, extreme, you know, even night flights, uh, and, you know, prior to the rules of ultra, you know, high, you know, flights, uh, when you had that background, you know, working with the talent at Hay Retriever, uh, it's, it's a lot easier because there's, there's something to base the risk on. And if we've done it successfully and we've calculated the risk, we can do it for you. That's kind of my mindset is, is push the limits, but do it safely. And, and how do you see, how do you view the, the now like ubiquitous drone? You know, they drones are more and more accessible. They're higher and higher quality for the price point. Um, and I don't, I'm just curious, like, do you see that as a good thing, an interesting thing, or, or ultimately uh, a competitive disadvantage for you? Or, or, or how do you think about it? Oh, no. Uh, be, because I come from this space very early on with so many of the people that are listening, uh, you know, they were kind of the drone grandfathers. And, you know, where we are now, it's totally exciting. You know, when you can do aerial hyperlapse, aerial hyperlapse from a $1,000 drone uh, at night, it's just phenomenal. To me, <laughs> the, the, the drones that are available is equivalent to more and more paintbrushes to your canvas. So, uh -huh. you know, you don't need the, the broad stroke. You know, sometimes you might need that, you know, the, the minute, you know, micro details. So for me, I embrace it. Uh, I think from an industry perspective, I really value safe operators because it keeps the industry growing. Uh, from a competitive perspective, there's very few, if any, competitors nationally, uh, let alone globally of what I do because of the sheer size uh, and relationships with the regulatory uh, agencies that I have. Uh, you know, there's maybe one or two, but it's not too many, at least in the Americas. So wow. I don't, so I embrace it. I mean, most, most of the calls that I get uh, daily or at least weekly, uh, there's a good enough operator that can execute uh, what JMR was saying, your, your uh, wide and high shots. Uh, it's just when we start getting very close to A-list talent, or it's very, very difficult, and the margins uh, are very, very small. That's where I'll get involved and consult. Uh, I, I don't really need to operate uh, as much because there's really, really good operators. Uh, however, once you start upping the ante, then there's more certification requirements that are required, you know, more permissions and permits. Uh, and then I'll kind of go in, uh, kind of like a SEAL team, you know, go in and get out. It, it, it's not that hard. Good. Now I'm getting the picture. I'm really, really seeing it now. Matt, I mean, this, uh, is, this is a very tech-heavy uh, 
episode. Yeah. Which for you, I know, is exciting. I, I'm standing in for the layperson who who has no no working knowledge of these technologies, other than you know being on some cruise with some guys who own drones. You know what I mean? It's it's like a very informal version of what you do is what I normally see. Yeah, and the full-scale operation is absolutely incredible. And that's really where this uh, path, this career path takes you. Uh, you're on all sorts of aircraft. Some things you don't even think are airworthy, but they get up and and go. Uh, you're evac'd from avalanche territory multiple times. Uh, so it, it really brings you very close to the aviation industry and a very high level of respect for uh, manned operators, manned and unmanned operators. Yeah. That brings me to the question, Victor, and I don't know if we've ever really talked about this, but how did you get into this? Th- that's, that's a very, very good question. So my whole purpose uh, from a business side is to provide the best customer service and to provide solutions. You know, if, if you have a problem, let me try to figure out how I can help you. So if we go very, very early on now, we're going back at least 13, you know, 14 years. I've always had a passion for aviation. Um, but then when I saw that there, there was a, let's call, uh, uh, a ease of entry from power to weight ratio motors, uh, and the energy density of batteries, uh, my brain started to go off and say, hey, for a lot of these print and multimedia clients, they need impact and they need some visuals to tell their story. And so, you know, YouTube was, you know, starting off, Vimeo was starting off. And there was one particular nonprofit that needed funding and exposure. Uh, for a major project. And so one of uh, my good engineering friends from over 30 years ago, he worked for uh, Hewlett-Packard and Intel. We started to brainstorm and we went through blimps, uh, lighter than air systems. We went through single rotors and then we just landed on you know, the quadricopter. And he said, that's your platform. So that was really the road is doing the interfacing and integration of components and uh, you know, back then it took about 40, you know, 50 hours to build and then, you know, another dozen to do the testing, you know, before you felt comfortable to actually get a good still photos very early on and then it transitioned into motion. And that's really where I've pushed it is with high resolution sensors as well as CineZooms that are typically significantly heavier so my whole exposure to aviation and all the talent in the industry started by trying to figure out a solution. Then it crossed over to uh, PGA. Uh, I produced their Grand Slam of Golf magazine. They just needed oblique imagery and moved over to Hedrick Motorsports, uh, you know, their entire commercial division, and then into real estate, and then into film. Uh, ad agency work, you know, documentaries. It just kind of go. It just really snowballed to the point where I could really pick, choose, and refuse in terms of my bandwidth and who I want to work for and, and work with. Uh, that's kind of how it it started from very very small beginnings. 
uh, to where it is now. Is it fair then to say that you were a pioneer of unmanned video? Uh, um, I would, yeah, yeah, I would say I was part of the initial group because it was a collective effort. I mean, you could imagine a lot of the flight controllers were written uh, and instructions were in German. Um, unfortunately, I don't speak German. I speak uh, English, a little bit of Korean, Spanish, Vietnamese, uh, but not German. So uh, it, it was a challenge. And it really took a global network of pioneers to share knowledge freely uh, to get it to where it is now. And eventually, our talents and skill sets slowly you know, phased out with the ready-to-fly systems. But I think I was you know, within that first uh, early, you know, early group. But it was there, a collective effort. There was a point where prior to that, it was things like the middle mount. And these these the Tyler gyro stabilization systems, and you'd have them in jet rangers and so forth, and everything aerial was big and bulky. And I feel like that 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 crossover from you then recognizing the evolution of motors and battery can, you know abilities comes from an area where it, it used like aerials used to be sloppy. They were beautiful. Like I mean, Koyanisatsuki, like anything Ron Frick, beautiful. But then they became excessively beautiful in such a really special way. Because I think, too, what it took to rig up a helicopter in the past just to get a semi-decent stable shot compared to what it takes now on an F-1 or a K-1 or anything else. And it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. Yeah. Everything's it, evolved. It, yeah, it really, it's, if you think about our iPhone, it's the same you know, gyro, the means gyro that are in a lot of these larger camera systems. And before they were very uh, clunky, uh, you know, a lot of things just could fall off, you know, in flight, depending on how fast the aircraft is going. But now you have fully turnkey systems. Even one technician can mount these systems before it would take three people. So, uh, you know, everything comes down in terms of the headcount that's required, uh, as well as equipment prior, many uh, prior to maybe this past decade or so, many of these systems were only available via lease. You know, but now, you know, you could be an owner and an operator. And that's really how this whole industry just have exploded to F1 uh, documentation you know, to other high-speed, you know, boating events as well. So, Vic, what are you working on now? Uh, what are some of the things you can say, outside, you know, that aren't NDA'd? What's got you excited today? Sure. So, uh, there's been uh, a, an aspiration by many entertainment companies to provide large format uh, deliverables. So... Typically, large format requires a lot of uh, weight. And so that's what I'm working on is to satisfy uh, several you know, of the sensor uh, and entertainment companies uh, to try to deliver on what they need you know, rather than doing it in post or software-based. Uh, that's one thing, ultra-heavy lift. 
And then the second thing is EV tall. So I have one client that is looking out uh, at least two, two and a half, three decades worth of transitioning from traditional rotorcraft uh, to eventually having uh, a segment and probably eventually an entire fleet of EV tolls. So it's been an exciting uh, 12 months to interview, uh, to sit, to do Zoom calls with all these OEMs of EV tolls. Um, and, and just to explain, it's more the electrical uh, vertical and takeoff and landing. So they come in all flavors, you know, where they're, you know, fixed wing, some transition in mid-flight, others are your, your traditional uh, rotor, you know, multi-rotor configuration. Uh, so that's really exciting because it's not just the OEMs, but it's the ground infrastructure. So I think we could equate it to like when Tesla was starting, you know, with their whole battery management network as well as the vehicle. So that's kind of the, the area we're in right now is uh, aircraft certification, you know, dealing with the community on noise, dealing with city officials on flight paths. Uh, and then ultimately, from a creative side, where I see this going uh, is to put these systems not just on, you know, a hundred pound drone, but putting a full six axis camera system on one of these EV tolls, whether it's piloted uh, or unpiloted. And, and that's just more of the transport space. Uh, that's excluding all the aerial law enforcement and other mission critical solutions that I'm working on uh, just to keep the country safe. Wow. That's all encompassing. And I love that. <laughs> it was a twist at the end. Yeah. You, you know, it's, it's serious though. It, it really is. Uh, I, I wrapped a project uh, with, uh, with another uh, company out in, in Europe. So just think European Union uh, and, and beyond. Uh, because of border safety. So they were looking at a radar system on a full-size helicopter, but some of the critical components was that that radar never turned inward in a stow position where it would fry the pilot, co-pilot, and uh, technicians. So it's that sure. critical of not wow. just having electronic soft stops, but actually creating, you know, mechanical hard stops. And it's important, you know, it, it's a government funded project and it, and it had to be safe. So that's just one example of the, the unique bespoke projects uh, that I've been involved in. And, you know, I'm happy to do that because I see the bigger picture, you know, in terms of safety, security, uh, you know, of the governments as well as of its people. Once again, this is partially why I love every conversation I have with you because there's always so much. Um, Victor, I, that is our time. And I, I want to thank you, first off, for, for diving into a very, very interesting conversation uh, and teaching Matt. Now Matt will finally understand a little bit more about the world of aerials, which makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, well, th well, thank you so much. I mean, I, I know we kind of branched out on, on multiple, you know, tangents, but uh, maybe, you know, in a few years, you know, we can connect and, you know, do an update 
uh, as these things are in the wild, there are several trade journals that are already in the queue uh, to you know, do the articles, but we just have to wait. And uh, let me just tell you, hey, Retriever, you'll be the first one to know once we could go public. Uh, I'll go on and share the videos uh, with you, the, the BTS videos and, and what we're doing. Uh, and, you know, we'll have you out uh, so you can kind of take a look. Look at the scoop. I love this. Uh, so, Victor, we're going to end. We, we do this on every episode. We end with a soundscape that's relevant to you. So I'm going to ask you to describe describe the sound of an aerial production operation. What does it sound like to be on set? Dane, Dane's looking at me right now like, I got to mix this. Uh, just describe for me, what does it sound like when when you're taking a U1 off what is that? Soundscape. I think for me, uh, I get in a zone. And that zone is one of control, of peace, and of tranquility. That, that's the soundscape that's going through my head. Despite you know, what's happening with uh, my headphones, uh, with the comms, with the aircraft, with the gimbal technician, camera operator, uh, I'm going through a lot of control uh, tempos and uh, intentional, methodical uh, beats. I love this. Dane's going to have fun with that one. <laughs> well, thank you, Victor. I appreciate you. And uh, this concludes the episode. Thank you. Stay well, everyone. Thanks, Victor. It's great to meet you. Okay, bye-bye. Sweet. 